It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, before we jump into today's show, Lindsay and I recorded it Sunday morning, obviously Sunday afternoon, some interesting stuff happened. So we're going to talk about coaches getting fired at Auburn, Bo Nix getting benched, and LSU week. I mean, welcome to LSU week, am I right? So ton of things to touch on. First things first, because uh, Lindsay and I will talk about the quarterback situation, among other things, and what the game looked like. But uh, s- Sunday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, I believe on three broke at first, but Cornelius Williams, Auburn's wide receivers coach or former wide receivers coach, um, was fired. So he spent six seasons at Troy, and then Auburn hired him over the offseason. And when he was added to Brian Harson's uh, initial staff, his first staff at Auburn, many people, myself included, labeled him as an up-and-comer in this business and somebody that could be an ace recruiter for this squad and somebody that really kind of got what the position was asking, a former wide receiver himself. Um, But he was let go yesterday. And then um, the guy taking his place, Eric Kaisau, K-I-E-S-A-U, Eric Kaisau. So he was at Boise for a while. He was a wide receivers coach under Harson there. And then I believe in the last two seasons, he was his offensive coordinator. He came over with Harson and has been an analyst on Auburn's staff. And he will now be the wide receivers coach moving forward. I assume that position shift is uh, immediate. That's my assumption. So as as you were watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast today, he is Auburn's wide receivers coach going into LSU. So obviously a lot of different thoughts. There's something that I want to put out there is people say, okay, it's just four games. This seems weird. And while I agree with you, I do think this is a weird move. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. But a lot of people saying it has to do with something off the field. I want to put this out there because I don't want this dude's character to get slammed. And in fact, the folks at Auburn Undercover, Keith Niebuhr and Jason Caldwell, both went out of their way to say, hey, we are being told that it is not off the field related. Jake Crane of the J-Boy Show, friend of the program, he uh, has a personal relationship with Coach Cornelius Williams. And um, it it does not seem like that was the case. So um, even people in, in comments all over the place saying that it's off the field. Stop. I don't think it is. And so unless you know that for sure, do not insult someone's character. All right, so let's get that out of the way. So moving forward, it's like, okay, well, were the wide receivers the position that was struggling the most if you're going to, like, pick a coach? There's a lot of people saying that this was a potential scapegoat situation. Possibly. I don't know. Um, But the receivers haven't been good, but I don't know what else he was supposed to do. I mean, there's only so much coaching you can do to help guys catch consistently. That's just kind of got to be a personal pride thing and a discipline thing at some point. But guys getting open, they did get open Saturday. Bo just missed them. And then Finley even missed a few once he came in. Um, maybe I was too high on this group, but this seems harsh. This seems aggressive. And this seems eager Um but maybe Harson's sending a message. That was my initial thought. And then the more I read about it, the more I'm like, maybe Harson just thought the receiver should be better at this point. Because we all agree these receivers have talent. They're just raw. We said it all summer. Um, 
four games seems pretty quick to me to pull this trigger. But if Harson's sending a message and all of a sudden it's like, okay, there's more going on to it. Um, I don't know. It, it seems like they did get better since spring. And maybe I'm making that up. But just looking at the receivers that were on the field at A-Day versus the receiver rotation that we saw at Georgia State uh, against Georgia State this past Saturday. I mean, we saw a lot more guys in the game. People were wondering where Elijah Canyon was. People were wondering where Zevion Capers was. And we saw these guys involved in the rotation a ton more uh, on Saturday than we have in the previous weeks. Was that why the offense struggled? I don't know. And, you know, a lot of people talking about Poor quarterback play and poor offensive line play. I don't think you can insult the running back room at all. Um, the defensive line group hasn't been as good as we thought. I think they've been good in stopping the run, but as far as generating a pass rush. So it's like, if that's the case, and I saw Jake Crane make this argument with the J-Boy show on Twitter yesterday, and a lot of people were kind of going at him, but I think a lot of what he said was true. But it's like, well, why are we holding that to a higher standard than others. And, and so I get that question, and the timing is fascinating. The timing is very interesting. Um, but I'm shocked by it. Do I think it was the right move? I don't know. I need more time to think about it and see kind of what happens. But um, I I don't think there's anything deeper than that. People want to say, like, oh, there's always something going on behind the scenes. Like, I don't think that was it. I think Harson's just doing something like the quarterback change, and Lizzie and I will talk about that later in the show. I think that's just kind of, you know, sometimes you got to do it, to, you know, to kind of cultivate a spark, see if something's going to change. So that's my thoughts on that side of it, which isn't much. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really have a whole lot of an emotional pull here. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a coaching position. And, you know, I, I kind of wonder if Coach Eric K, because I don't know how to say his last name, uh, you know, is it going to be that much better of a, a transition? I, I don't know. And it's like, is it going to be an instant thing as far as impact on the field? I, I don't think so. I think your wide receivers are just kind of who they are at this point. The other thing, the other side of it, and Harson's kind of getting some criticism as I record this at about 5 o'clock on Sunday. Well, of course he's promoting a Boise guy. And, you know, it's going to be another Boise State coach that's kind of, you know, one of Harson's dudes. And that was something that Gus Malzahn got a lot of criticism from is only selecting his guys. And I would say, I don't know this for sure, but I would say that that's a pretty normal thing, that most head coaches are going to latch to their guys. So I don't necessarily see that as a negative. And now if it's going to like cost you your job, and that's just a hill you're going to die on, I get it. But if you're willing to cut a dude after four games, um, that's part of your initial staff in a new place, that the best job you've ever had, I just... I just kind of think that you you want production more than anything else over relationships. So once again, we'll see. I don't have a strong opinion on that either. I know that's not good radio or, or podcasting or YouTube videos, but that's where I'm at with that. And then I guess the last aspect of it is this decision and this kind of moxie that he's going forward with, with Harson. is it going to hurt him when he wants to hire new coaches? And I don't think so, because I think in that scenario, you're either getting a guy that was let go at a school that was similar to Auburn and they need a job, or they're going to be at a situation like Cornelius Williams was, where he was at Troy, and he's ready to take that step up. So 
they're going to be willing to risk it to, to come coach at Auburn if they're at a, you know, a smaller school. So I, I, I don't think it really hurts things that much. Once again, could be looking at this through a glass half full. I, I just don't really think it's going to impact that much. I hate it for Coach Corn. It seems like he was an up-and-comer. That's the way people talked about him. And I've got confidence he'll land on his feet and get another opportunity somewhere else just because that's the way people talked about this guy. Um, people thought very, very highly of him. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he does with his career. But yeah, Coach Eric uh, Kaisawa, if I'm saying his name, hopefully uh, hopefully he gets Auburn's receivers um, back on their feet and taking a step forward in the next few weeks. Now let's jump into the rest of the show with Lindsey. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and join me as he does every Monday, Lindsey Crosby. Lindsey, how are you? It's a victory Monday, but it doesn't feel like one. It's, um, gosh, we got a lot to talk about, but first things first, today's show brought to you by our friends at Fetch Me Delivery. You can download their free app, go to fetchmedelivery.com. Uh, a lot of folks, and uh, you know, I, I interacted with them a good bit yesterday because uh, we used them because we didn't want to leave during the football game. We wanted dinner brought to us, and they did a great job. And we actually needed to change something with our order. They had a phone number, and you actually can call and um, and actually talk to a real person, and they fixed everything for us before the driver got there. So try doing that with any of the other national brands. But go to fetchmedelivery.com or uh, download their app and use promo code LOCALMEAL. If your order is over 30 bucks, you'll get $10 off. So can't beat that. All right. So Auburn beats Georgia State by 10, which is the most like nerve wracking two score win I've ever seen in my life, uh, thanks to a late pick six by Smoke Monday. But 34 24, and pretty much the whole game until the last drive was a total disaster for the offense. Special teams were incredible. And then defense in the second half was really, really good when Zacoby McClain was able to come back. Um, a few big picture things before we talk about changing the, the quarterback and what we think is going to happen there, Lindsay. Let's talk about the first half and just how Auburn really couldn't get anything going in the running game and the defense could not stop anything. Yeah, uh, Tank Bigsby had like 60 yards at halftime. And not something you expect to see from what is pretty much considered widely the number one running back in the SEC. Sure. Uh, you know, we had decent pass protection, but just run blocking. I mean, Georgia State played much, you know, very, very far above their level as a G5 team, as right. a Sunbelt team. Um, and really just both, both lines of scrimmage kind of had their way. They were in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, you know, when it came to pass protection, they were they were getting good, you know, good blocking, stopping us from getting after the quarterback too much in the first half. And it was it was not what you expected to see after we just played Penn State. It felt like we did better against uh, running the ball against Penn State than it did against Georgia State, which right. I didn't see that coming. Right. And then guys were getting open on the receiving end. It's just Nix was missing those guys consistently. So... I don't know, coming in, Georgia State was not, they're not a good defensive team. They're not good at stopping the run. They were actually significantly worse at defending the pass. And I could see why, because guys were wide open. It's just consistent misses. And I think that's something that's going to be 
interesting to see moving forward how Auburn deals with that. But on the defensive side of the ball, I think we all knew that Kobe McLean was a very special player and a very important part of the defense. But, and, and you probably said it last week, a lot of folks did that they came on locked on Auburn last week, Lindsay. But when Owen Papo and Zacoby McLean were out, Chandler Wooten and Wesley Steiner stepped up big against Penn State. And then something about the defense yesterday, and I don't think it was specifically the linebackers. I think it was more of an energy thing. And so I, I don't want to put it on on the linebackers because I actually think Wooten had a really, really strong game. But the, uh, Something wasn't there, and it's clear that Zacoby was the missing piece. And something that's very interesting, talking to some of the defensive players and hearing what they had to say in the postgame presser and reading quotes for some of the ones that I wasn't able to sit in on, none of them talked about, like, yo, they, like, lit us up at halftime with things that we needed to change and things that we needed to do. It was all about just we needed to focus and key in on, on what the task at hand was, and it looks like they did that. So a lot of people calling for Derek Mason's job at halftime. I think we could take a deep breath there and say, hey, it's going to take time to, to implement this scheme. But um, something was drastically different with the first half defense and the second half defense because the second half, de- uh, second half defense shut them out. And the biggest thing, the most tangible thing you can look at was Zacoby McClain. Yeah, you know, they had 300 yards of offense in the first half, 220 on the ground. I think it came out to like 9.1 a carry in the first half. Uh, Second half, they totaled, what was it, 85 total yards and 2.1 yards per carry. I'm kind of chalking that up to, and we heard them talk during the week about how difficult it is to prepare for Georgia State's offense simply because you don't see that scheme played a lot. And so part of that I want to think is just the impact that Zacoby McClain has physically his talent but also maybe his experience and having played long enough in the SEC and played long enough in college where he had a better idea of what was going to happen and he could do more reacting versus where Steiner and Wooten and a lot of other guys were having to stop and read what was happening and then try to get in the right position to make the to make the play so I'm hoping that's what it was I don't want to think that our linebackers are bad. Like you said, I mean, they played well. Uh, I just want to think that maybe Zacob McLean's experience was the tipping point there where he he was better able to get guys lined up. He was better able to be in the right position because he had done this a lot more than, than guys like Steiner had. Let's see. Chandler Wooten had 12 tackles on Saturday. Then TD Moultrie, he had a really good game as well. He had 12 tackles, um, two tackles for a loss. So you absolutely love that. And I mean, TD Moultrie's a guy that, I think it's gotten better every week. I would have liked to see more of him against Penn State, but as a general rule, I think he has gotten better playing that edge position every single week. But is Auburn ready for SEC play? And that's something that we've asked a, a ton of. And based on what we saw Saturday, it doesn't seem like they are. But if you want to look at this from a glass half full perspective, and I think it's a perfectly reasonable uh, perspective to have here, you have to think they prepped for LSU last week more than they prepped for Georgia State, right? You have to have that feeling. I mean, there was no reason uh, for them to be excited about this game, but still, I thought the talent gap would uh, would be enough, but man, they cut it as close as they possibly could. Looking at how we performed against Akron versus Alabama State, knowing there was a big game the week later, I'm inclined to think that there was a bit of looking ahead here, probably by both the coaching staff and the players. Um, Georgia State is a – they play a lot of 
power five teams. They right. play a lot of big name college football teams. And so I feel that the talent gap maybe wasn't as prominent as we expected because they weren't intimidated. They weren't surprised. They knew what they were walking into. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just given how, you know, the d- d- difference in how we look between Akron, Akron and Alabama State leads me to think that we probably were looking ahead at LSU. Um and now we have a whole different set of preparation when it comes to LSU because we have a quarterback thing going on. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Uh, before we do that, though, let's um, let's look at the running game situation. Like, so a big a big talking point last week, and I kind of asked everyone this question that came on the show, and I, I think we talked about it, Lindsay. But the the gist of okay, what does this new running game rotation look like as far as touches go? And I asked folks, all right, 40 touches, who gets what? And so looks like, doing quick math here, looks like there were 30 touches for running backs as far as handoffs go. And I think they all got one or two catches each. So we'll we'll say that's a wash. But um, Jarquez Hunter got 10 carries for 62 yards, 6.2. He was Auburn's best back on Saturday. Tank Bigsby, 18 of 60. And then Sean Shivers, two of 29. And Lindsey, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think both of Shivers' runs came off of jet sweep motion stuff. I don't think that he was ever like a traditional running back when he got the football. Um, that is correct. That is correct. correct. Okay, got it. So yeah. so that's interesting. And a lot of people in the YouTube comments and on Twitter and in the Discord said, hey, when Shivers does come back, he's he may just be a gadget guy. And if we're looking at solely what happened on Saturday... I think it's a shame, but if you really believe in what Jarquez and Tank are doing, which I think you should, um, I think it's an interesting decision, but I think it makes sense. Um, Hunter is who they went with at the start of the 98-yard drive that helped really set them up to kind of get out of their own end zone. They went mm-hmm. with Hunter. They didn't go with Tank. And they went with Tank at some spots um, in that drive as far as having him in for pass protection purposes and, you know, the as an option for checkdowns. They didn't really go to any of them, though. But I think it's very telling that they went with Jarquez Hunter on that first run in that crucial game-winning drive. Yeah, and, you know, he he bounced that to the outside and really just gave us some breathing room to work with. Yep. And to me, it and I haven't finished my rewatch, so I can't speak, you know, 100% for sure on this, but it felt like Georgia State was keen more on the run when Tank was in the game. And so I can understand, sure. you know, you're trying some stuff. You're trying to figure out what's going to work. We have to have this drive work. I can understand starting off with Jarquez. I do feel like Tank is better at pass protection than Jarquez. He has a little bit of a – he still has to – that's that freshman thing. You still have to learn a bit on pass protection. Yeah, most so freshmen get, aren't good at that. Yeah, most most upperclassmen aren't good at that either. Uh, Tank, you know, Tank Bigsby is, is talented in that regard. But, yeah, it was a bit surprising to me to see – the distribution between Tank and Hunter and then see Sean Shivers clearly as the third and really only the gadget guy. I felt there was a couple places in the game where you could have had Sean Shivers on the field with one of those two other backs uh, and had the opportunity to at least give a disguise or a misdirection on something. And they, other than those two jet sweep motions, didn't really do much with Sean Shivers. And I think that was probably to our detriment on Saturday. Yeah, and as far as receiving goes, Jarquez had two catches for six yards. Tank had one for five, and Shivers had one for three. So none of them huge factors in the uh, in the passing game. Today's show brought to you by Prize Picks. All right, college football fans, 
I know at this point you've heard about Prize Picks if you listen to the show. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Head over to PrizePicks.com, and they've got <clears throat> excuse me, they've got props on virtually everything on virtually everything, and so you can play each and every week. You don't have to worry about the full season-long teams if your team stinks or something like that. So check it out. Don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks today and use promo code Locked On. Or go to the app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Let's talk about it, Lindsay. Let's talk about it. I cannot believe it happened. But Bo Nix, with just a few minutes left in the third quarter, was benched for TJ Finley. And I'm shocked that it happened. I think it was needed. The response from the team and response from fans in attendance at Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, there needed to be an in, uh, a shift of energy, and they did that. A lot of um, a lot of people posted pictures of, of Nick's kind of standing by himself on the sideline watching. It's kind of tough to look at. Felt really, really felt for the kid. Um, but I think it was the right decision. And now the question is, is that a permanent move or was it just uh, to help beat Georgia State? And that's going to be the conversation all week unless Harson kind of comes down and says it in his Monday press conference, which I don't think he's going to. Yeah, I very much see see Harson letting this play out all week, even if he knows who the guy's going to be just for competitive purposes. Uh, but I was, I expected it at some point in time. I didn't think it would happen in game four of the season. That seemed rather early to me. And Harson talked about it in postgame. He said, we played all the running backs. We played all the wide receivers. I wasn't going to change the offensive line. So we had to do something to get a spark. And I decided to change the quarterback. Um, you know, and Finley went on to say that Bo was supportive. And Bo, you know, Bo was was picking up the team on the sidelines and sure, things like that. Sure, he was, so yeah. Some of, the, some of the character criticisms that people are, are putting onto Bo Nix, I think, are a little bit misguided on that. But the issue for me here is... Going into LSU, I don't think we're going to announce a starter until the day of the game, but I think you have to start TJ Finley. And the reason for that is if you start TJ Finley and he struggles, you can swap him out for Bo Nix. You can go back to the original guy. But if you start Bo Nix against LSU after he got benched in the last game and you have to pull Bo Nix out again for TJ Finley, you... There's no way Bo Nix can be the starter. If you that. make that change again, it has to be a permanent change. And so I think for flexibility reasons, Finley's going to start. If Finley struggles, you can always go back to the guy, but you can't replace the guy twice and expect the team to still be behind him and the fans to still be behind him. And obviously the storyline writes itself, right? You got a two-year starter that's going to be pulled and Finley's first start at Auburn hypothetically – would be against his former team at LSU. I mean, that writes itself. That's the stuff that movies are made out of. So we'll see if it happens. I think it's going to happen. My reasoning, Lindsay, and I think yours is very thought out. I think it's more thought out than my take is. But 
My thing is, like, if you're going to pull Knicks and put the backup in, and then the backup goes and does what he did on that 98-yard drive, it's like, well, if you don't start him, what else did you want him to do? Because he looked like a backup quarterback for the first few drives, but that last drive, he was not a backup quarterback anymore. And you have to think, once the season starts... He's not getting any reps with these guys. He's not getting any reps with the starting team because you want to give your starting quarterback all of those reps. And maybe he sprinkles some in, you know, at, at the end of certain drills, at the end of certain sessions in practice. But as a general rule, Finley's not getting the reps that Bo Nix is with, uh, with the starters. And so it probably took him a few drives to get comfortable and acclimated and kind of catch up with what's going on. But once he did... He did not look like a backup quarterback on that 98-yard drive. Jarquez Hunter, like we talked about already, um, got him some space early. And then all the big plays were thanks to Finley, whether it was through his feet or using his feet to create time to throw. And then, you know, he put a dart to to John Samuel Shanker. And while that reception was a little controversial, um, it was reviewed and, and called in Auburn's favor. The ball placement on that pass was perfect. And then third and 10 early in the drive, he converts to throw into a Kobe Hudson, which is a natural, natural wide receiver. So man. natural, such a natural guy. But and you know, the wide receiver one, I, I think so. I think so. Kobe had a great game, but he just did several things where it's like, okay, this guy can be a starting SEC quarterback, and he already has been. And that experience at LSU, I think, was crucial. I think it was crucial because. When the game was on the line, he knew what it felt like because he had been in that situation before. And while LSU was not very good when he was the starting quarterback, I don't think it was his fault. But, I mean, LSU last year was just a total disaster. But he knew what it felt like. He knew what it was like to have, you know, 80,000-plus people staring at him, cheering one way or the other for him. And I think that's really, really important. And so the passes, you know, he had one uh, where he was scrambling to his right and he threw it to uh, he threw it to Elijah Canyon and Canyon had a great a great catch for that. Then he had two to Kobe Hudson, um, you know, and he had that that Kobe Hudson fade on the outside. And I, I think both of those guys probably wish that they had that pass back because um, uh, I think I think he put a little bit too much on it. But I feel, still think Kobe could have caught it. But look, there were just on that. Sure. On that, if TJ Finley's the starter and getting starting reps in practice, they complete that pass. That was one of those situations where TJ Finley hasn't been throwing to Kobe Hudson a lot because TJ's on the second team and right. Kobe's on the first. That's a pass that you see is completed if TJ's the starter in practice all week. Yeah, and that's the kind of route where you're throwing to a spot, right? Not a person. You're throwing to a specific mm-hmm. spot. And so, yeah, I, I 100% agree with you there. And so, all in all, and then obviously the, the game-winning touchdown pass to, to Shedrick Jackson... I mean, I've watched that play a million times since it happened Saturday night, and it's like I keep expecting him to get tackled or for him to, you know, deliver the ball incorrectly or something like that. But his launch point in his throwing motion is so high, and there's just so much power behind it because he's so stinking big, and he's got all that torque where he can just deliver a football anywhere on the field. Accuracy... Uh, needs to be a little more consistent, but that's just going to come with reps. There's nothing you can do overnight about that. But all in all, like he just he looked really good to me, and the team responded really well, and the fans responded really well. And look, I, I don't want to say that like it, if they don't pull Bo Nix, does Auburn still win Saturday night? Maybe 
I don't know. I don't know the It's impossible to know. But, man, Auburn did everything it possibly could to lose that game Saturday. And then that 98-yard drive by TJ Finley, um, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful drive with a bunch of really, really key moments where it's third and long and all the pressure in the world is on this kid that just came in, you know, with three minutes left in the third, and he found a way to win. And I think if you're Harson and you give Finley a chance to do this and you pull Bo Nix, I don't know how you can not continue to give him a chance. Yeah, it uh, it was a good decision. And remember, I, I talked about this last week. The decision is good or bad regardless of the outcome. It's with the information you have at the time. It was a good decision and it worked out. And so TJ Finley needs to get the benefit of the doubt and needs to start until... You sh- until he shows that starting him was a bad decision. Um, I do think that given his height, given his arm strength, um, he is a better fit for some of the downfield and intermediate passing that Bobo wants to do. Um, we don't do a lot of quarterback runs, design quarterback runs anyway, so going from Bo to Finley doesn't hurt the offense in that regard because that's right. just not a big part of who we are. Sure, I think it would have been different if, if Gus Malzahn was the head coach still because he used the quarterback to run more. Uh, But this is something where TJ Finley deserves and has earned the start on Saturday. He needs to get QB1 reps during practice. I'm I'm willing to bet they'll still split reps all week, but he needs QB1 reps, and he needs to start on Saturday at Baton Rouge. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, all right, today's show brought to you by our friends at Sweatblock. Sweatblock is doctor-created, doctor-recommended, works for up to seven days per use. They have what they call the dry shirt guarantee. So if this is something that uh, you've been fighting and uh, you don't really know how to deal with it and it's messing up your shirts or your confidence or whatever it may be, go to sweatblock.com today. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off. Uh, they also sell Sweatblock at Amazon or CVS. But to get that 20% off, go to sweatblock.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. Also, today's show brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to Built.com. They've got a new limited time flavor, Cookie Dough Chunk. They actually sent all the hosts of the Locked On Podcast Network a a box of these. They're delicious. They are very, very good. So, yep, 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 they're very good. So, highly recommend you check those out. All high in protein, low in calories, a look and taste like a candy bar. Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com. Com. Lindsay, you mentioned Kobe Hudson looking a lot better. To me, he is wide receiver one of this team moving forward. Yeah, five for 76, uh, had seven targets. One of the misses was that play in the end zone we've already talked about. One of the misses was just Bo going over his head. I, if I remember right, I think he got like a finger on it, but it was just too high. Uh, definitely made it happen when we needed it. TJ Finley had a, a bad decision to throw the ball while he was getting tackled that Kobe caught and made it work out. But Kobe Hudson did everything we needed of him on Saturday. He clearly knows the offense. He clearly has learned what the responsibilities are in this Mike Bobo system. Uh, he just looks so natural out there. He's he a natural wide receiver. Yep. So natural for wide receiver. And he, uh, he needs to be the, the wide receiver one. I don't know who is our wide receiver three. I would assume Demetrius Robertson, when he's fully healthy, is our wide receiver too. Malcolm Johnson Jr. started yesterday or Saturday. Saturday. Um, you 
you have a lot of guys. Javarius Johnson needs to get the ball. Shedrick Jackson's been out there quite a bit. I don't know what the breakdown is going to be behind Kobe Hudson, but Kobe Hudson is the wide receiver one until further notice. Let's see. Kobe had seven targets. Uh, he caught five of them for 76 yards. Shedrick Jackson had seven targets. He caught four of them for 70 yards. And, of course, one of those was that, that game winner. And then Javarius Johnson had seven targets. He only caught two of those. But um, he had a big one that could have been a 70-yard touchdown if uh, it was a little bit more accurate from Knicks early on there. But that was kind of the theme, right? I mean, these guys mm-hmm. were getting open. They just couldn't get the ball to them. And, I mean, that's got to be frustrating as a receiver to kind of deal with that over and over again. And, look, that's part of the reason that that Harson made the change, I'm sure. I'm confident in saying that. But, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things. If you're the receiver, what do you do? You can't go back to the the huddle or to the sidelines and, you know, say, hey, actually throw it to me. Yeah, you can't do that. you got to be encouraging, and it seems like they are. But I, 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 imagine, I imagine the game Saturday was very frustrating for a lot of people. And, obviously, it was very frustrating to fans. I'm sure mm-hmm. it was very frustrating to media. But... These players, you could tell how frustrated they were on Saturday. And I think a lot of it is because, like, they should have won by multiple scores, but they just couldn't get it done. There was a bunch of little things that added up to one massive disaster. And, uh, yeah, they got to clean it up this week. Yeah, they. we definitely have a lot to work on in in practice, and a lot of it's just going to be chemistry and accuracy and fundamentals. Um LSU is going to present an entirely different challenge from Georgia State, not only from an offensive standpoint, but just from an from an athletic standpoint. Your individual matchups are going to be significantly harder because LSU may not be a good team, but they have great athletes. And so you have to be more precise in your execution. We can't have this whole thing where the defense just got better at executing after halftime. You can't afford to execute as poorly as you did in the first half against a bad team that has really good athletes because missing on an out route is going to be a pick six. You know, some of these overthrows you're sending to what, you know, to a tight end of the seam or to a wide receiver are going to be interceptions. Um, You know, some of these blown blocks are going to be sacks and forced fumbles. So uh, this week needs to be a lot of, of focusing on executing, coming out, um, Fire on all cylinders and and just getting guys, getting the chemistry, everybody together and getting some guys healthy. Owen Papo needs to be in this game. He was a big part of of that 2019 victory by Auburn. Or I'm sorry, that, that 2019 close game where we held their high, you know, championship offense to the lowest number of yards and points they scored all season. Right. Um, so need a good week of practice. TJ Finley needs to get starter reps in practice and then be the guy on Saturday. Should we be excited about that? There was a question in our Discord. Should we be excited for TJ Finley to start on Saturday? Uh, yes, I think so. I think so. Hey, look, LSU looked good on um, on Saturday against Mississippi State. Now, I think Mississippi State stinks. I think they're really bad, but um, they did it without Derek Stingley. It doesn't look like Derek Stingley is expected to play Saturday against Auburn, which is helpful. For these receivers, you got to think that he would have been on Hudson or um, or Robertson if Robertson was fully healthy. So mm-hmm. that's going to be helpful. And I saw a few people say that, like, well, Stingley's never given us problems. And it's like, yeah, tell Seth Williams that. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm buying that. I think St- uh, Stingley's a pretty good corner. So we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. Should we be excited for Finley to start on Saturday? I th- Yes. I You know, I think... Uh, this Auburn team needs a spark. 
And I think changing mm-hmm. him out did that. Does it carry over for the next week? I don't think we'll know that until it happens. But you know he's going to be motivated. And you know that the Auburn folks are going to want to pull for him. I mean, Lindsay, how poetic would it be if Auburn goes down there for the first time in 20 years, they get LSU's quarterback, and LSU's former quarterback goes to Baton Rouge for Auburn and wins for the first time in two decades? I mean, you talk about a moment. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think so. I think when you just look at the potential of what that moment could be and uh, what it can mean for the program, what it can mean for the kid and his development moving forward in the Brian Harson era, yeah, yeah, I, I think you could be excited for it. I think the just offensively, the ability of TJ Finley to get the ball downfield and get it there in a hurry right. uh, can can be something that can make this offense go to the next level. Like you mentioned earlier, he's got to work on his accuracy a bit. We need the balls to be placed well. But we've seen Bo Nix do a lot of passes downfield this season that have been inaccurate. And we haven't connected on as me- nearly as many deep shots as we've had opportunities. And if TJ Finley can connect on just one or two more of those a game than Knicks was doing, right. this offense looks dramatically different. It's a lot harder to stack the box and load up against Tank Bigsby when this quarterback can put the ball 60 yards downfield with a flick of a wrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I think we should be excited as well simply because this gives us a chance to take this offense and take it from decent to good. And if Finley comes out and just plays – and fixes that one problem, just the downfield accuracy, this team could has the potential to go to a great offense because adding that facet to the game helps the run game, helps the intermediate passing game, helps just lighten up the box and give us more space to work with. So right. um, his ceiling right now feels like it's higher than Bo's ceiling. And so be excited about that. And I'm going to be rooting for the kid to complete the story, you know, the, the great – Hollywood story on Saturday in Baton Rouge. That'd be great. Yeah, Mr. Mischief asked that question in the Locked On Auburn Discord. Also, Zach H. asks... Zach? Zach. Zach. Um, He has three questions. First one is, what happened to the offensive line? I don't think the offensive line play was as bad as everyone else does. I think think they were fine. I just think Auburn had a hard time putting everything together. Um, Like you said, Harson changed out the receivers. He changed, you know, all the running backs played. He didn't want to change the offensive line. I think there's a reason for that. I think the offensive line's okay. Um, Two, did Penn State expose Auburn? My answer to that is no, because I think they found success in different ways than Penn State did. Penn State couldn't run the ball against Auburn, but Georgia State certainly had no issue doing that in the first half. So I'm going to say no to that. Do you agree with that, Lindsay? I think you're right. I mean, both teams didn't have a lot of... um, struggles in pass protection against us, but I think we knew that. And, you know, we knew completion percentage for opponents was an issue. We knew our pass rush was an issue. Uh, that wasn't anything that was new. And, yeah, they, they they were successful in different ways from Penn State. So I don't think that was an exposure or anything. I think that was just um, Georgia State played a great game. Yep. Yep. No question about it. All right, then uh, his last question other than a win, what positives can fans find in this game? It feels like the Jack State game all over again, and our ceiling is the Birmingham Bowl this year. Um, ask me in a week that question, because if Auburn does that against LSU and really struggles, this may be a 5-7 and seven football team. Yeah. Uh, just because I, th- 
I just have that little of respect for LSU and what they're putting on the field this year. And so it's like, if you can't beat LSU, I don't think you could beat Georgia and Alabama, obviously. I don't think you beat a and I don't think you beat Arkansas. I don't think you beat Ole Miss. And it's like, uh, at that point, it's like, where are those wins going to come from to even get to six for a, for a bowl game? So um, you could be right, Zach H., Zach, but let's wait one more week because I got a feeling Auburn's putting a lot of his eggs in that LSU basket. So let's wait one more week before we uh, before we go to Birmingham Bowl or bust mode, all right? <laughs> yeah, you know, having making that quarterback change means you have to give it a little more time. You have to see if if Finley starts and if Finley plays well, then this is a different Auburn team. And the the odds of the Ole Miss game and the Arkansas game and the Texas A&M game become a lot different uh, than they are yeah. right now. So come back to us in a week. Hopefully next Monday we have uh, better news on on can we be excited about this season and prepare to do a bowl or not. Right. Um, Lindsay, where can people find you, bud? So I am at Auburn Banker on all the socials in the Discord. You can listen to me 7 and 9, Monday through Friday on News Talk WANI and on After the Game, After the LSU Game on ESPN 106.7. That's right. That's right. He'll be going on the air at like midnight. It's going to be crazy. Be sure to tune in and check him out. Um, keep your eyes peeled to Locked on Auburn social media pages um, today on Monday. we got a pretty cool announcement. It's going to be a weekly feature um, starting every week this week. So it's going to be very, very cool. Keep an eye out for that. Charlie Tuesday tomorrow with Charlie 5 right here on Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.